Hey, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where we make it easier for you to get out of your comfort zone. Today, we've got Andy Donald for you. Andy is an archer, he's a pianist, he's a singer, he's a professional musician, he's a martial artist, he is a teacher, he's a photographer, and he's also a legally blind person with rod monochromatism, which is a a rare visual impairment. And today's conversation really centers around perspective and how we interpret things in the world. And a lot of it is uh, is kind of focused on on life lessons and, and metaphors around getting uncomfortable and, and shifting our mindset when when life throws tough stuff at us. Uh, and we talk through this in, in Andy's with Andy's stories, but also using, as I said, a lot of metaphors around around music or archery or sport as well. There is a lot in here. We go reasonably deep down a few rabbit holes, which if you've been listening for a while, I'm sure that you enjoy. But I think you'll get a lot out of today's conversation. I know that I did. And without further ado, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with Andy and I today. Andy, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Thanks for uh, taking the time to have a chat with me today. It's a real pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Ah, no worries. And just want to say a quick thank you to Kai Ferno for uh, putting us in contact as well. Very much appreciate it, Kai. Hopefully you're listening. Indeed. Thank you, Kai. Andy, I like to kick things off, mate, just by asking a little bit, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And were there any big experiences in your youth that have kind of pointed you down the path that you're on today? Yeah, I'm from Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, and I grew up there. And I suppose something that really inadvertently, you know, I wonder about this a lot, but I I think it has had a great effect on on me growing up with a vision impairment that just meant that my experience of of the world was a bit different to to other people's, uh, which became clear as I got older. And um, yeah, I I think sometimes that may have been a a big driving factor for Mm. Yeah, when you say visual impairment, Andy, what are you what are you talking about there? So I, I have a, a vision impairment called rod monochromatopsia, a rod monochromatism. It's very uncommon, but it's kind of like a day blindness. People with rod, rod monochromatism are very very sensitive to light, so you're seeing in the same way that that your eyes would see if you spent an hour in, in a pitch black and uh, by that time your eyes would have adjusted to function on the rod cells in your eyes which they do peripheral vision and your night vision and your cone cells are clustered in the very center at the back of your eye and they do your long distance focusing they see color and they react to uh, light so people with rod monochromatism that their cone cells aren't connected properly and so um, your your eyes are extremely sensitive to light you see with with only your peripheral vision and you have no color vision at all Uh, so i went to a a primary school um, with uh, a special unit for for vision impaired children Um, so yeah my first friends at school were blind glass eyes glasses you know an inch thick and um, that was that was Good fun. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. And is this something that you've you've had from birth? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's um 
yeah, it's uh, hereditary. And, okay. Uh, my sister has it, but apart from that, I don't know anyone else. Yeah, with this condition. So, do you have times of day that you see better? So, if in in lower light environments, you have more visual acuity. Yeah, yeah. At, in very low light, I I see quite comfortably, and yeah, that's I'm a bit of a night owl because of that. During the day, I wear custom made, very dark red contact lenses, and then very dark custom sunnies over the top of that and the hat. And getting around, I might use an ID cane for crossing streets and things like that during the day. But at night time, you know, things can be a lot easier, especially if you're, uh, I mean, away from light. Yeah, because there are still a lot of bright lights, cars driving towards you and, and you know, walking into a 7-Eleven at night. You know, it's, um, I always need a pair of sunnies on hand, even at night time. Yeah. Okay. And... With that, Andy, you, you mentioned that um, because of, of your visual impairment, it drew you to th- certain things when you were younger. What mm. kind of things were they? Uh, well, music, definitely. Um, I mean, I think I was very fortunate. I mean, I was very fortunate um, that my parents uh, were extremely proactive in just exposing me to, to anything um, they thought I might enjoy uh, drama and dance and martial arts and music, art, uh, anything at all. Um, and so a few of those, yeah, really stuck. Music was definitely one of them um, and martial arts was another. Uh, and they've stayed with me um, all through my youth and I still do them both today. What in, what in particular did you did you enjoy about those two? Well, I mean, gee, that's it's really hard to nail down. Um, well, what feelings did they give you? Back then, uh, just a lot of joy. You know, music still brings me, you know, incredible joy. Um, it's such a wonderful free resource of joy that's there. Uh, and... And martial arts just gave me a, a real sense of, of strength, self-confidence. Um, you know, that, that in particular, uh, I think, really helped my, my confidence. And, um, and there was a certain sense of satisfaction, I think, in um, being better than other people that I knew could see a lot better than me, um, but just through persistence and, and um, really working at it, like, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, it just gave me a great sense of self-confidence. Mm. Yeah, and I can, imag- can imagine that prior to, to finding those things that actually your, your confidence was reasonably low. Um, no, I don't think so, to be honest. <laughs> like, okay. like I, I was lucky to have um, a really wonderful uh, mother and father. I still have wonderful mother and father, of course, uh, and they, they really just, you know, supported me. I've got a younger brother and sister. You know, I didn't um, 
I don't think I went through anything that any other, you know, just the, the regular ups and downs and, and confidence issues of being a teenager. It's just that for me, my, you know, obstacle was in some way learning to um, adapt with this uh, vision impairment and uh, learning to cope, you know, when I was a kid, I, I couldn't care less. Like, um, technology wasn't the same back then. I didn't have the sort of, uh, I didn't have contact lenses. I, I, you know, there are lots of situations where um, I, I think back now and, and imagine, like, I must have, you know, been really struggling to see in the playground and, and things like that. But it just didn't, didn't bother me because I didn't know anything else, mm. you know. Um, when when you lose your legs or you lose your sight later in life, like uh, I think that is a, a unique challenge in itself, um, because you you have something to compare it to, you know. But I, I've never seen the world any other way, and in a way that that in itself is a, is a challenge because you spend a lifetime really curious and and constantly. You know, uh, people are often apologetic when they ask about my vision, um, you know, because I have explained it a million times to different people, but uh, every time I talk about it to another person, it gives me a little insight into you know, how they see the world, and, and I find that just really fascinating. Mm. Um, yeah, to discover, and I still discover it, you know, all the time, um, especially colour. Um, seeing in detail at long distance. It's just every time I, I get in a car and someone's driving me uh, around because I can't drive transmission, um, I'm, you know, genuinely impressed <laughs> and amazed. I don't know how people see as well as they do, but they do. And so it's fascinating to me. You know? Yeah, and I mean, that, that's a, a really interesting way to look at it. And that, that curiosity that you have, I mean, you said how people see the world. And is, are you talking like purely from a visual point of view or are you talking also from a, a perspective point of view that you notice as well? Yeah, well, I think, I think there's definitely some overlap there because, um, you know, how we perceive the world uh, through our senses it definitely affects how we interact with it and um, some of the assumptions that, that people make and um, with with a vision impairment you know you, you can't see it in somebody um, it's not immediately obvious which is one reason I use an, an ID cane which is like a, um, a mobility cane a full-length white cane um, but a bit shorter and, and lightweight it's not designed to help me feel where I'm going, but it's it's meant to make me stand out to a motorist that might, um, you know, that I might miss when I'm crossing the road. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, and and I think like that that's one of the challenges for 
for everybody. Like it's easy to see when someone has a broken arm or a broken leg because you you have the they have a cast on and, and you can kind of understand that. Um, but for other challenges people face that are kind of less less obvious. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of much harder to fathom them sometimes. Yeah, and and don't we all have? have those mm. we, we all walk around every day you know look at anyone's face and there's a whole you know person of problems and, and success and achievements and, and you know behind that face and everyone's got something that they're, they're dealing with um, and yeah I think not just not making any assumptions um is one thing that, that it's taught me because uh, I know what that feels like. And so, I don't know. I, th- I think it yeah, might have given me some insight into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, that leads on quite nicely to my next question because I was going to ask you what, what superpowers it's given you. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, plenty. Um, <laughs> I think that... It's a very common uh, question that um, people with an impaired sense get is, you know, do you have super hearing uh, now? Um, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I think the best way I've, I've heard it explained is um, you don't, it doesn't enhance your senses, but you become... Um, quite skilled at interpreting what information you get from those senses. Uh, so what, where there are holes um, because of a lack of, of vision, you know, you need to fill them in some other way. So I would play, um, I'd play soccer a lot as a, a teenager and as a younger kid and you know, soccer is great. It's a balls on the ground because it's kind of two-dimensional. Um, as soon as it leaves the ground, I, I don't know where it is, but when I hear it hit the ground and bounce, you know, I, I can track towards it that way. And um, So I think, like, finding ways to adapt is, is a really um, is a skill that, that you get a lot of practice with. Uh, so it's just... It's just like uh, resistance training, really. You're, you're being forced to rely on other senses, um, and so you get better at using them. They mm. don't. They don't improve. Like it's, um, you know, anyone can improve a sense. You, you don't see better, but you can improve your eye. You can improve the. Um, way you interpret that information you don't your ears don't become more powerful but by practice you can learn to transcribe you know entire pieces of music by ear um and yeah it's a skill like anything else and and when you have an impaired sense you're just forced to rely on others there's no other way around it yeah and Again, but seeing I, in the dark is a pretty good superpower. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. It's Not pretty to sweet. that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Um, it's definitely a more comfortable in the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I mean, like, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly looking for that yet, yeah, the, the sea and the dark superpower. But I think, like you mentioned, a kind of a, a couple of a couple of things there in, in terms of the the adaptability, but also kind of your ability to uh, train train your senses as well and train how you interpret information. Um, yeah. Which is, has probably had, has massive carryovers into other areas of your life when you're uh, when re- you're reviewing things. But for for someone that is like it w- wants to experiment with with training their senses, whether that is kind of hearing or whether that is mm. um, using using your senses in different ways, like have you found kind of any effective strategies that you have used previously to uh, maybe kind of interpret the world differently? Um, oh, gee, I think, uh, you know, if you're trying to do something better, I mean, it sounds really obvious, but you, you just need to do it more, more and more and mm. more repetition um i don't i don't have any specific strategies except to say well you know for example um when i was studying music at university uh, we would have these transcription exams um and at first you're you know in fact we did this back in high school as well so i remember listening to a piece of music and thinking how on earth am I supposed to pick out the bass line and write that down and pick out not just the chord but but each note in the chord and and, and where that note occurs, you know, in the middle, on the top and the bottom. Um, it just sounds like music to me. I can't extract that detail. But purely through practice, purely through trial and error, um, it's surprising. Just like doing push-ups, you know, this week I did, you know, this many, next week oh, I got a couple of extra push-ups out of that you know getting stronger every day um it's the same with your senses i think you know you you um you put in the repetition you you teach yourself new rules and and um yeah you just pick it up over time mm. um yeah yeah i mean and- martial arts is another one like sorry no, no. I was just going to say, there's no like, there's no shortcut for the repetitions of of doing um, doing the work no. with with whatever it is that you're that you're working on. Um, I mean, how do you push ups is quite a neat. It's a nice yes. one in terms of kind of feedback that like it, it's easy to see. Okay, I did twenty push ups. Hello, Chris. Hey, have you got me there? I'm oh, sorry, mate. Having a bit of trouble again. Oh, how about how about now, Andy? A little better. I'm just it's just my uh, end, I'm afraid. It's, uh, it tells me it's a little bit better now. I don't know if it is or not. There. Are you there? Yep. Yep. Can you hear me? Oh, I think we're okay. Yes, okay. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah, there are no shortcuts. Mm. Um, yeah, this. I mean, I've, I've. Ex- one of the things you know, I love the term multi potentialite uh, because um, I think it was a TED talk by um, 
Emily Wapnick, I think, first turned me on to this term. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I would get down on, on, I would start one thing, I would become obsessed with it, I would get all the stuff, I would learn everything about it, and then, um, you know, a couple of years later, I would be, or even, you know, a couple of months later, I'd be off on the next uh, obsession. And, um, you know, I used to think that might be a problem, but um, I think embracing your know, multi-potentialism is, is a really uh, liberating thing, or at least it, it was for me. And I just find tremendous crossover between each each thing I um you know, devote myself to, whether it's playing the piano or um, doing archery or learning martial arts, um, there's just one of the really significant things that keeps popping up is there's no substitute for repetition, um, for muscle memory and, and that kind of uh, stuff. And, and definitely, you know, at a much deeper level, you're, you're training your yourself to interpret the information from, from your senses and that's, that's a pretty um, practical skill you know mm. and yeah the, the term multi-potential that fascinates me and I want to come back to that but one question that I have beforehand I mean press-ups is a good example that of of getting feedback so like one week you can do 15 press-ups and then the next week you can do 20 and you can kind yeah. of see that that feedback yeah for for things that are maybe a little bit more intangible say kind yeah. of picking a baseline out of music how yeah. how do you kind of provide feedback to yourself from that to to oh, keep yourself motivated that you're getting better it's not intangible at all Okay. Like it's very it's very tangible. You're like, that's it. That's the that's exactly the right baseline. That's exactly the right chord progression. Or someone is like, that's not it. Or you know, it's not it. It's, it's, yeah. Um, but I think I know what you're getting at. Uh, I I think sometimes that that kind of stuff can seem almost, you know, mystical like a, a Zen thing, you, you, you have to just wait for it to appear. Um, and, and sometimes I feel that way about motivation as well. Like, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a cliche music musician kind of struggling musician cliche to say, well, I'm just waiting for that, the inspiration for that great song, you know, but you're not, you know, you can work it. You can just, um, like going to the gym, you know, you can just go to the gym for an hour working on your motivation for a particular creative project. Just because it's creative doesn't mean that it's, you know, somehow intangible or, um, you know, mystical, like hard work. I think it still pays off uh, for those kind of things. Mm. Having mm. said that, I've always a tra been a tragic, you know, practicer um, when it comes to practicing the piano, or, or you know, it's never been my 
strong suit, putting in the hour after hour. And, um, I think, yeah, you've got to find a way of practicing that that, that works best for you. Um, Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, kind of going going on from that, and I think I mean in, intangible was probably the wrong word there. That uh, sometimes it's yeah, sometimes it's difficult to uh, kind of understand the the progress that you make, um, yep. especially if it's quite slow, especially if it kind of fluctuates yep. forward and back, and especially for if you're not if you're not a great practicer. I mean, <laughs> yeah. how do you? <laughs> How have you come to kind of understanding what type of practice works best for you? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think I might switch disciplines and talk about archery here for a second. Yeah, go for it. Um, that sounds like a perfect description of archery. It's like, am I getting better? I don't even know. I can't even tell. And one week you'll be, you know, can't put a, uh, an arrow wrong and, and the next week it'll be all over the place and, and it's hard to nail down why but I think um, it's it's very tempting to uh, to put expectations on ourselves and then completely almost subconsciously you know commit to those expectations like that is a deadline I have to hit or, or I've completely failed you know um, if I don't if I don't hit the bullseye so many times you know out of so many times this this training session at the archery range you know it's a complete waste of time whereas you, you definitely have to be prepared for those forward and backwards steps um, and it, it can seem like a real momentum killer sometimes when you have those bad days, but it's not the it's not an individual day that makes the difference. You know, I, I got to um, an age where I suddenly realised I've been playing the piano for you know twenty years, twenty five years, and purely through enjoying it. For that long, I persisted and almost by accident reached a you know a certain level. And that state seems to stay the same for you, like uh, relatively. You know, you always hear people that um, you know. I know people with tremendous skills as a musician who are never satisfied. You think I, I would love to play with the skill that you do, but. Uh, but to them, it's it's relative. They know they can do a little bit better, and, and that's. I think it's important not to lose that, but it's also important not to not to let that kill your momentum day by day. You know, persistence is the key. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think with that, that the, the people that are ne are never satisfied. That's probably why they're the good ones because they do keep that yeah. persistence and keep keep pushing there. Um, but as you say, it's a it's a balancing act with it as well, not to kind of let your expectations overwhelm you, and because you're yes. not where you think that you should be at the moment, uh, yeah. not to kind of let that derail your your practice and your persistence with with whatever yeah. skill that you're you're looking to attain. 
exactly. Well, you created them. You know, you created the criteria of what you, you know, perceive to be um, good now. Like um, archery is a, is a good example again. Like, when when are you good? I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, are you is is hitting the target nine times out of ten good? Should it be ten times out? Of, you know, you'd never be perfect. Um, when do you learn the piano? When is the piano learnt? You never. It's never learnt. You never finish learning it. <laughs> you know, it just goes on and on and on. And that's things like that. I love. You know, that's a that's a lifetime pursuit. Something that I will never finish. And I'm. That gives me great joy. You know, I, I love. Um, this expression, uh, never perfect, always improving. Mm. Because we're, we're always improving, but the minute you think, ah, nailed it, you know, it's time to reassess because there's a whole bunch of, you know, stuff you have, you have yet to learn. And, um, and I always like the, this analogy, um, when you're learning something, if you, if you stand let's say, a meter away from your goal of perfection and your very first lesson, at your first archery lesson or whatever it is, you learn a lot. You go from knowing nothing to suddenly, you know, this whole world has opened up and that's your first step. You take a step half a meter closer to your target. The next lesson, you take a step half that distance again. It's still a big leap. And then as you keep getting closer to your goal, you keep halving the distance of your step. And so you never, ever reach that goal of perfection, but you're always, always getting closer to it. And I think especially once you get to a high level of something, your improvements are so subtle that maybe you're the only one that, that you know, notices um, but I don't know, there's still a drive to, to, to get that little bit, you know, further. Yeah. Yeah. A bit I, closer. I like, I like their way of looking at it actually. Um, and it reminds me, I, I was told once that you only become a master when you die yeah. because while <laughs> you're still alive, you're still a student. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that. I mean, it kind of takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Hmm. Because, you know, you just do your best. Um, and, yeah, I I mean, yeah, martial arts is full of that kind of, I'm, I'm now a master, I'm now a grandmaster, I'm now a divine super-duper grandmaster, you know. And now I can fly. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, it's a funny one, isn't it? So you mentioned the term multi-potentialite. Um, earlier Andy I mean can you maybe kind of give us a little bit of a definition around what that is uh right it's not my term but um I it just really spoke to me uh if you're interested google the the TED talk on um, being a multi-potentialite are you a multi-potentialite someone that might have a wardrobe full of you know um some skis uh, you know, some hockey gear, um, a bird watching book, or, or 
whatever it is, all these hobbies piled up. Um, you know, someone that's that's constantly um, that's not afraid to walk into a completely new place and be the white belt again. You know, to be the white belt over and over and to start something new. Um, I guess it's it's kind of the opposite to a specialist. Uh, so, you know, I I, I know um, musicians that specialize in one instrument, and they've certainly been through periods where they've practiced that instrument ten hours a day, seven days a week. That's all they ever did, and they really became very good. You know, you would hope so. Uh, but for me, I just, you know, I need, I guess I have a short attention span or something, <laughs> and I just, I just enjoy having more than one pursuit on the go. Um, and I used to worry like, oh no, I really should, really should just stick at this one thing, um, and not resist the urge to start something new that, that I'm really you know, kind of interested in, but, but now I just, I go with the flow and, and uh, embrace that um, urge to start something new, um, because, yeah, it's, what what I have realized uh, is that it's, it's all the same skill set, you know, after a while, you're just Going back to the same toolbox, whether I, you know, decide I'm going to learn to sing properly, I'm going to learn how to properly sing, um, or I'm going to learn uh, how to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like, it's strange, but there's a lot of crossover, even with something, you know, as um, seemingly so different as those two things. Mm, yeah, and I mean there are a lot of kind of learning learning strategies that you can you can apply to to both of those, and I think like one of the one of the most important ones in in that area, you know, like you mentioned it as the not being afraid to be the white belt, or like some some people talk about it as uh, having a beginner's mindset that actually yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not afraid to be a beginner. Well, maybe I'm not not afraid, but I can deal with being a beginner in this situation yeah, yeah. Uh, i think it it's a similar concept to you know mistakes are good you've got to be prepared to make mistakes one of the things i teach um when i'm teaching piano uh, i'm from a jazz background um rather than a classical background and so you know i, I have a strong emphasis on improvisation uh, music and that's a really interesting um example of uh of this mindset issue of just letting go um i i have accomplished pianists come uh, to me for lessons who can play really well but have never improvised and all the skills are there it, it just takes the ability to let go and not being afraid to make a mistake is perhaps the biggest hindrance to that because they're so used to looking at music on a page and saying, right, that's that, that's middle C, 
I can see it on the page, I know where it is on the piano. When I press it, it's going to sound exactly the way I predict. But, you know, when you don't have that spelled out for you, something might, something unpredictable might happen and you might make a mistake. Mm. Um, in very young kids, I don't see that. They're usually, like, um, totally willing to, to have it sound, you know, they haven't learnt these rules yet. Um, and then somewhere around, yeah, like 10, 11, 12, kids start to become a little bit uh, cautious about making a mistake, about getting it wrong. I think that's it. And, and school doesn't help that, mm. you know, this kind of testing uh, right and wrong. Uh, it's just, it doesn't foster that um, curious mindset and uh, that willingness to to make a mistake so you can learn from it. You know, you play a bad note, at least you, you know you didn't appreciate it, um, you know, make a note of it and don't do it again. Yeah, and I mean... I'm I'm someone probably that battles a little bit with uh, kind of the, the battle between my my inherent curiosity and uh, and being afraid to make mistakes and, and playing playing by the rules. But I mean, you you teach people Andy how to or how to improvise. Like if you were mm. if you were going to be teaching someone who did play by the rules, how to how to improvise, how to kind of be, become more comfortable with mistakes. What would be the process that you would go through? Uh, a exposure therapy <laughs> to start with. We'd start by by playing some music, you know, um, and making those mistakes, uh, especially when. Um, so often we'll sit side by side on the piano. I'll. I'll play something simple um, down the bottom and, and just get them to play over the top. Uh, and, you know, the, the very first note, there's often all this hesitation and and they're not sure and eventually they commit half-heartedly to pressing the, the key, but it didn't sound the way they were expected and, and there's often you know, a recoil in, in disgust. And then that's the note that I say, all right, Let's play that over and over again. Let's listen to, you know, it sounded bad when you heard it because it was a surprise. But is it, is it really bad? Mm. Yeah, I think that it's a cool way to, uh, to look at it. And I think that's super applicable to... <laughs> yeah, there are no wrong notes. They're just surprise notes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the title for the episode. Actually, the surprise note, um, Andy. <laughs> I wanna I wanna ask you some questions that I ask everyone towards the end of the chat. The first is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did, and how did you get through it? Um, I'd have to say, uh, moving to Melbourne this year, um, I uh, spent my entire life in Brisbane up until this year and um, moving away from friends and family uh, even though I'm pretty familiar with Melbourne 
it was a bit of a challenge, um, especially on a personal level, uh, learning to orientate myself around a new city um, is much bigger. It, it was quite a challenge at first. Um, but thankfully, you know, I, I have a, a brilliant and supportive partner and um, with her help, you know, we, we both helped each other through that move this year and uh, things couldn't be better now. So um, very happy with overcoming that initially uncomfortable move. Cool, mate. Um, what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? I I would love to start um, playing some more music uh, and that's pretty simple on the surface, uh, but there's a bit of baggage there for me, I think. Um, moving to, to Melbourne, it's a, it's a very musical city, uh, and um, there's a certain level of intimidation, I suppose, and, and also it's just, you know, the, the usual baggage of um, doing something that you love and, and the exposure and risk that comes with that. But I think it's one of those things that, you know, there's so many things telling me not to take that risk that, that I could uh, just avoid the whole um, problem by, by not playing music again, but I know I'm going to, and I'm just going to push through that feeling, and uh, because I know on the other side there's a much bigger reward to be had. So that's going to be a challenge, but mm. um, it's kind of an inevitable one that's it's just approaching, and I think especially uh, next year will be <laughs> the year I, I hit uh, Melbourne with some music. Cool, mate. And that, that segues quite nicely into the next question, which is, do you have any strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? Uh, one with music... Um, that I find applies to a lot of situations is uh, fake it till you make it. You know, it sounds bad on the surface, but um, I really mean just, you know, you, you're not going to feel confident all the time in every situation. Being the, the white belt uh, the first time, you know, in a new situation, but if you, if you believe you're confident, even when you're not feeling very confident, then it it does seem to, to have, you know, uh, a flow-on effect. And, and I've found that many times um, with my music that, you know, I just don't feel like being on stage or um, the centre of attention right now. But I don't know. I, you, can, uh, you can really get yourself over that initial speed bump, I think, by just it together and, and trusting in yourself that's what that means to me I think you know fake it till you make it um, really means just believing in yourself believing that that confidence and that skill is there even when you know it, it feels uh, like it's just not mm. yeah yeah, yeah. I, 
yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And I think it's that, yeah, it's that, that trust in yourself um, that is that is important, even if you are in the beginner stages. Andy, I've got two more quick questions for you, mate, but I just want to take a moment to say thanks so much for, for taking the time to have a chat with me today. But also, thank you for exploring your curiosity as well and, and being a, a multi potentialite and uh and the the consistent student um you're you're a great example to to everyone else out there as well about about how to do that my first question uh, my next question for you mate is um if people are interested in you how can they find out a little bit more how can they kind of follow along with the stuff that you do um, well, you can find me on Instagram, um, Nocturnal Archer. Nocturnal underscore Archer is my Instagram name. Um, it's a lot of archery on on that particular place, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, you know, that that's probably the the, the best place to find me. I'd say yes. Cool, cool man. Come along and uh, yeah. That sounds that sounds good. I'll, I'll pop a link for that in the notes for the show. And Andy, thank you. Last question for you: Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Oh, gee, that's a good one. Yes, let me think. Well, I one of the things I get asked all the time, um, and and I have these great conversations with people is is about color. I don't see any color at all, and um, I would like to challenge you, uh, Chris, to to appreciate a, a favorite, um, like a sunset or, or something, uh, a, a favorite landscape, um, and and try and imagine it without color. And mm-hmm. I want I want to challenge you to find the beauty behind the color i don't know that just came to me that then a, it sounds a, pretty weird that's <laughs> a, a great challenge. how about that i, I love yeah. that one actually i will i'll do that and i'll let you know how i go please do yeah i would love to, to hear that hear how that um prompt you challenge turns out mm. Chris. Mm. yeah thanks mate um andy thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today thank you thank you very much there you have it team i hope you enjoyed the conversation that andy and i had there really interesting challenge that he's left us with today and i've been practicing this over the last few days since i had a conversation with andy i'm lucky enough to live in wellington new zealand and we've got some pretty spectacular views if i turn around and have a look over my shoulder at the moment i look out over mount kaukau and uh, the the skyline walkway which is just kind of some some epic mountains slash hills up against the horizon there and I've always looked at it and I've always really uh, I've loved the color of the hills against the color of the sky but Andy's challenge of of looking at this landscape without the color there I mean that, that's something that I found really really challenging and, and in all honesty at the moment I haven't been able to blank out the color but while I've been trying to do this, I, what I've found is I've, I've looked much more closely at the detail uh, and, and the contrast there 
of the contrast between the hills and the sky and actually I don't know how far away it would be somewhere between 500 meters and uh, a kilometer away from from where I'm sitting at the moment and where I've been standing to, to look at it but just picking out all the small the small pieces up against the horizon um, especially kind of in the in the evening as the as the light is changing and picking out just the small the small perspectives the, the the small trees and noticing the detail there has been has been a really interesting experience for me so I'd love to hear how you guys go with that so it, maybe what we can do is, is get you post a post a picture of the landscape that you've been looking at for your challenge there on on social media uh, tag me tag Andy in it uh, and let us know kind of how you're interpreting it when you're not looking at it uh, through the through the lens of color we're really fascinated to, to hear and I think it's it's a cool exercise to do to to help change my my perspective a couple of thank yous before we finish things off thank you guys as always for tuning in and sharing some time with me uh, thank you to Jyland for awesome editing skills thank you to my brother Jeremy for the amazing theme music and before you guys go if you want to grab a free PDF of some of the top strategies that people use to get out of their comfort zone as I've plucked out of my guest brains uh, you can head over to getoutofmycomfortzone.com uh, you will need to put in your email address uh, so I can email them to you I send an email maybe once every three months so you're not going to get overly uh, inundated with emails but it's just something that I can I can give back to you guys for tuning in on the regular and making it to the end of the podcast Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with us today. We'll see you again on Friday.